I'm excited. We're continuing our series in Psalms. Um, here we've been in it for uh, a, a, way, a while now. And um, we're going to continue here through the month. And then we're going to uh, have a short series in in August um, through through um, uh, another book. I think we're going, um, yeah, we're excited about. Um, sorry, I was, I was, should I tell you more? I'm excited just to continue in Psalms. So we got the month of July. We're going to continue in the book of Psalms. In fact, even maybe um, have a special service here as the month ends where we get to hear from even more of you about what, um, how Psalms have impacted you and even even in this series, how you've been impacted by the Psalms. So uh, stay tuned for that. We are going to be asking uh, many of you to help out in that and just sharing a quick video um, as part of that. But today we are in Psalm 27. Uh, I'm excited for this Psalm. Uh, last week we had the opportunity to be in Psalm 26 and it flows well in this in, into uh, 127 and um, uh, I, I am this psalm has been very encouraging and very challenging this week to me as I've looked at it I'm excited to pass on um, some things I've learned and hopefully encourage us to follow Jesus more I, I want to start though with uh, a little piece of my history um, this is a 1985 Toyota Corolla I'm just gonna let you soak that in for a second that butte right there this is a gold-colored one. My my, uh, I had a 1985 Corolla. Mine was multiple colors because uh, when I got my Corolla, um, it did not have front fenders, the front part or a hood. So I had to purchase those from other old Corollas and put it together. And so it was kind of a Technicolor, uh, you know, kind of a Joseph and the Dreamcoat kind of feel. For a Corolla, it, it had been sitting outside for a while, so the engine compartment was full of leaves and things because there was no hood on it. The front window had been broken in. There's lots of work uh, to be done. And I uh, got that Corolla and fixed it and got it running and so I could have a car. Uh, this was like one of those high school moments where I can't believe I have a car to, to pick up friends in and drive around. And I'm sure I spent a lot of hours just driving around uh, with friends. But I won't forget a moment um, that came back to me this week as I was reading Psalm 127. I had a moment where I was sitting with a friend in the car, actually. Uh, the fenders were on and the hood was on. <laughs> there was actually a windshield. And uh, he said, man, I can't believe this thing's working. Like, I remember he saw it when I first brought it home. And um, man, he said, how in the world did you get the fenders on, I saw they're all tore up before. And I was like, I, I don't totally remember how we did that. Uh, how, how did you get the windshield fixed? Do you have to pull the old broken one off and you have to seal it up or something? And I, I don't totally, we're driving, right? I don't totally remember how that worked. Uh, oh, huh. Did, did all the leaves in the engine, does that, do you have to clean those out or does it just burn out of there? I don't, and he said, what? how do you not know what you did with this Corolla? I was like, well, my dad might have helped a little bit. And I, I'd realized up to that point as a six, 17 year old, I don't remember how old I was, 16 year old, 17 year old, uh, 18 year old. I, I, I think I had forgotten to mention that my dad actually did most of the work. 
that my dad actually took me to a friend's house and uh, a friend who had this in at his house and was like, hey, can my son take this and fix it up and drive it? And my dad's the one who drove it home with no windshield. Uh, and my dad's the one who actually showed me how to put fenders on and the hood on. And he's the one who provided the funds. I remember the same friend said, oh, man, I like, how much does this cost you? I should do this. And I was like, I don't, I don't really know. My dad paid for a lot of it. Um, and in the, I remember sitting in that moment, you know, driving, realizing like, oh, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do a lot. <laughs> I thankfully uh, had a dad who could do those things and showed me a lot of those things. And at the time, I think I even uh, really at times hated that he said, come on out or we're going to put an air filter in and figure out why the exhaust isn't working. And I was like, come on, dad. And later being very thankful for that, that I could do basic repairs on a car because my dad made me do that and actually did a lot of that for me and with me. Um, I, I mean, that feeling, I think, and then you think through all the other moments in my life that have the same story that I, the story I tell is I did this, but if you stopped and rewound the story, there'd be not just my dad, but many people, right? My parents and family and just, uh, what felt at the time like dumb luck, but was obviously God working through the many things. I, there's a there there can be a, a sense that there's something more noble uh, or stronger or braver about our experiences because we make sure that it looks like we did them. And the psalm today is going to remind us of uh, actually how valuable it is um, that we're reminded of who actually does those things. And in fact, this psalm will use the word vain or useless to say these things we've done were useless without recognizing who did them. Um, and so how important that is. We're going to hop in then to Psalm 127. If you want to open your Bibles uh, or turn on your, uh, uh, look on your devices, or um, I'll have all the words here. We're going to read along. This is a Psalm um, of Ascent, which is what we've had uh, in the past. Let's get rid of that Corolla. The, uh, the 126 was also a psalm. of These start at 120. There's a collection of these, and these were sung. These were um, psalms that were sung in celebration or, or maybe lament or uh, just a, the words that were used as people marched together up to Jerusalem, up the hill to actually uh, celebrate, remember who God was. They were going to festivals like the Passover festival that we uh, hear about throughout Scripture, but also then uh, hear about when we look at the passion of Jesus, when we look at Easter, they're going there to remember when God had death pass over them and protected them. These are all celebrations that they remember a God who rescued them, who made a home for them, a family for them, a God who protects them and keeps them safe. So they're marching and they're singing these songs uh, kind of as the, the, the prelude to a worship, a festival in Jerusalem. That's important to know, I think, because as we read this psalm, you can understand the sense of them reminding themselves of their place and who God is. And so let's read Psalm 127. It's very short. It's only five, five verses. Let's read it all the way through once. And then we'll look, we'll kind of dig into it. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. 
It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blesses the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. It's almost, to start here, this feels like two, almost two Psalms, right? There actually is a, a period of, uh, of church history where they talked about, is this maybe, should this be two separate Psalms? And I think they're actually, in the end, reminding us of one great, grand, perfect um, uh, thing about our God. Um, and they actually are connected, I think, more. It, it depends on the language that's used. In fact, if you were reading along, most of this uh, is from the translation of the NIV, the New International Version, which is what we usually use as our um, uh, translation. It's very readable, and, and uh, we often like the translation. But if you look in verse 2, actually it says, eating the bread of anxious toil is actually from the ESV, the English Standard Version, because I like that phrasing better. And the other phrasing says something about... Uh, working hard for what we eat or the toil of getting food. Um, and I think this, this, uh, this phrase actually is maybe a little more accurate in here. Um, but when we uh, see these, the words that are used in here are obviously in English and they've been translated. And so we're going to unpack this a little bit to see how this all comes together, reminding the people, if you can imagine, as they march and walk up to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember with all of God's people what God has done, we can be, are being reminded of the same one thing. So we're going to start just with verse one. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. In Psalm 126, we were reminded at the end of that, uh, where we really focused our time, was this idea of planting our tears, our suffering, and cultivating that with gospel truth. And if gospel truth is cultivated, and if reminded of who God is, and who he is when we suffer, then it, it stirs in us joy, and we harvest joy. Remember the image of like armfuls of joy we get from planting our tears, our suffering. I think what can happen is we can do that. I can find places in my life where I say, I'm going to cultivate to remind myself of the gospel, pull the thread of the gospel through. I'm going to keep, not forget that. But I think slowly as I keep doing that, I sometimes slowly turn away from God and I start believing that all of that work I'm doing is still me. And at the end, I harvest joy. And then my story becomes, hey, I did a lot of good work and I got joy from it. Instead of I, I did a lot of gospel remembering of who God is. And God brought me joy because I remembered who God was. And so I think this, this psalm flows so well from the last one, because the first thing we're told is unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain, unless God is the one building up the house. In fact, in this verse, this is one of those language ones where this word house here could also mean household or builds up community of people, which, which flows really well to the end here, right? Verse three, ch children are a heritage from the Lord. So this is unless the Lord builds the house or the household or the community, or he builds the dwelling place of people, the people building it are building it in vain or other translations would say it is useless for them to build unless God is building it. Let's continue. We're going to, we're going to see a common theme arise here in the second part of verse one. We hear, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand 
watch in vain. You picture this? People on, on walls overlooking a city, guarding it, protecting it. This is about security, not just building uh, their household or their home or their community, but this is um, about the security of their people. If they're safe, if they're watching for danger coming, if they're making sure that everyone is going to live and prosper because uh, they, because the, you know, enemies are coming or danger is coming. And so it says, even if people are doing that, if, if they're not doing that with the Lord, if he's not the one watching the city, if they're doing that on their own, if they say at the end of the day, man, I did a great job watching the city, unless they know that God is the one who oversees the city, it's in vain, it's useless. So again, it's reminding us that ultimately God is the one who does that. He ultimately is the one who builds our households, our our, our communities, our, our families, our homes. He's also the one who ultimately brings security and joy. I think in the security, it's not only in this passage, we're seeing this uh, physical reality of like a city on a wall, but think about how much we build our security in our health, how much we do to work our hardest to make sure we're healthy and secure for our, our own bodies and our minds and our hearts. But we also literally guard ourselves in where we pick homes to build, where we pick homes to live in, where we choose to send our children uh, to play or to school, and all those things we often can find ourselves. I think, at least in my life, I think I can make all the right choices and I will be safe and secure. And I can often step aside and, and realize I'm actually forgetting how much God is the one who actually does all those things. So in verse 2 now, we get to this Next part, I, I love this passage because it it feels like it hits right right into my heart, right to the center of my heart. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Do you, do you ever feel this? Do you feel we get up early? I stay up late working, working, working to get what I want, to achieve what I want. So I can have it all that I want. I work really hard for what I want and what I get, whether it's to protect myself or to build things up or protect my family or to build my household. And often the feeling is when I sit down at night and it's late, and the sun has gone down. I feel as if I'm eating the bread of anxious toil. I love that phrase. So instead of just it's, there's a lot of work to feed myself. Um, this bread of anxious toil is for a loaf of bread came out of the oven. I'm about to eat it. And this bread is made out of toil, work, hard work that has caused pain. It has caused bruising. It's called caused maybe even sleeplessness. It's caused weariness. All this, right? And I'm just, that's what I get out of this. I get a loaf of toil to chew on. And it says, you, you don't need to do that because God, look at this phrase, this is so important, the end of two, he grants sleep to those he loves. And in other translations, it says he grants his beloved sleep. 
to one who feels like they've been working and working and working and all they get is loaves of toil. What good news to hear that he gives sleep or rest to those he loves. We're going to come back to that. I think this is a, a key marker in this. So I think it builds to this and then we get another example. But ultimately, I think this is where I want to land today. We're going to continue, though. Then it moves on to talking about children. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is reminding, they're singing this, right? They're reminding themselves that even whatever we build is useless unless God builds it. Whatever we do to protect ourselves is useless unless God is there protecting and watching over this. Even if you work all night and all day, all we get is this bread of toil that we created, forgetting that God gives us rest because he does the work. He can do the hard work. And then it reminds us of the one thing. I think this passage about children is interesting because kids are the one, one of the few things we could say as people that we create, right? If you're in an argument, you could say, well, I do know how children are created, and that was all me, right? But we're reminded here, even children are a heritage, a gift, an inheritance from the Lord. Even God gives us Children, why does he give us children? As a reward, as a, as a gift. It says a man is blessed to have a quiver full of them. It, it relates children to these arrows that can be used to de- defend things, right? So we have this kind of a reworking of what we just saw in the first part of this psalm, said in a different way, and now zoomed into just your household. Now God has built a household. Remember, he's the one who gives us your kids. He gives you these he gives you your household. He's the one who creates a household. For anyone who's um, struggled with infertility or anyone who is uh, single and thought, man, I, I so someday want children and felt that that pain of not having children but desiring children, you uh, you uh, you can start believing. I remember this in our, in our house. We started believing if we just do the right things, we go to the right doctor and things are done in the right order, then it works, right? And it doesn't. And then you realize... Oh, actually, God, in the end, is the one who does that. We sat with a doctor and he said, everything is good. You're both healthy. And next month, you're going to have a kid. You're going to be pregnant. And we thought, awesome. And then we didn't. And we went to the doctor and he said, well, it's just like there's this thing. We don't know what to call it in the medical field. But there's like this thing that happens that makes kids you know, happen that we can't totally explain. It's like a, something has to happen. And I um, think, oh, well, that's because in the end, we forget God actually is the one who gives us things. So in this, he's reminding us he's the one who gives us our household. He's the one who those children, at this point when this was written, your children literally were your protection. They literally could be as you are young and have children. As you grow old, your children protect you. They help you oftentimes uh, farm. They help you uh they live with you and protect you and care for you and help support you. And then they eventually have children and they support them. So children are actually this protection. They actually are the ones who give you rest. And so this is a kind of a reworking of the first two verses. Another way of saying, even think about how this works. God gives you kids and they protect you and they care for you and they build up your home and they give you rest. Think, think, remember this, how God does this for you? 
And so I want us to I want us to move back into uh, verse two as we just look and focus on on what I think is really important for us today to look at. At the end of verse two, it says, "For he grants sleep to those he loves." All, all of this, these five verses, um, are a great reminder as we march towards God each day that what we're doing is useless without God. We have not built our own 1985 Corollas. We've had the help, and not just the help, we couldn't have done it without our Father, our Heavenly Father, that we are dependent on God. On a weekend when we celebrate independence, we must be really careful we don't believe that a celebration about political independence of our country doesn't seep into the way we view all of life and all of who we are and forget that actually our dependence on God is really what brings us rest. Let's not confuse our true freedom that comes from God, that's from our dependence on God, with an independence where we we look to ourselves as God. That God is the one who builds our lives, our homes, our family, He protects us from Satan, death, and sin. And he's the one who gives us great rest so that we don't live our lives eating bread of toil, but instead bread of life through Christ. Uh, This this is a weekend on 4th of July when often I uh, think about how thankful I am for being uh, born and living in a country that has great freedom. That I had the opportunity to... Uh, share the gospel on Facebook, online, and I'm not worried about someone barging through my door to arrest me, that I have the freedom to to speak and say what I'd like to say, I have the freedom to even say, I don't think there should be uh, more of something or less of something. I have a freedom to actually work hard to bring justice to a place. I'm thankful for that. Um, but it also reminds me of something that we often hear, hear the phrase we hear uh, of the American dream. This phrase uh, that was coined long ago, but this idea that we can come and work our hardest and anyone who comes and works their hardest can achieve whatever they want in their dream and their dreams. And this is often, I think, <laughs> becomes bread of anxious toil for many people. Instead of resting in the bread of life, we rest in the bread of anxious toil, which we can disguise as this idea of the American dream. So if we look, um, this, this is what I want us to get to. I, I want us to have an opportunity to assess ourselves in which one of these categories. Are, are you putting your identity and hope in the home and the household that you've built, and maybe even the community that you've built around you, in the security that you've created or the work of your hands, or are you putting your hope in a God who we can be dependent on to save us and rescue us and give us rest from the anxious toil? We will not find life in those things without God. If we put our hope in things, even like hope in our country, even a country we love, we will be disappointed we become weary. If being American or being a good 
home builder or being a good safe person gives me life, I will be thoroughly disappointed and I will not find rest for there's only rest in the gospel. This is the good news of the gospel, friends, is that God gives us rest from anxious toil. Let me, let me share a few passages here that have really been helpful for me in my life. This is from Matthew. Don't forget these words that Jesus says. I think as a, as a believer, we can begin to believe, I got to work hard for God to love me. He's just some of the words Jesus shares with us. Come to me, he says, all who are, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Sounds familiar. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus calls, we get a rest in him. A life that is uh, about building our own empires and building our own safety and security, we can have a rest from, we can take a breath from, because God can do that. Let's listen in Hebrews about more about rest. These There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Sabbath is this word that uh, can mean rest. It's a word that can mean kind of peace and rest. We hear Sabbath sometimes because we hear it on um, about Sunday that God created for six days and then Sabbathed on the, uh, on the seventh day, right? That Sunday is the day of Sabbath. Um, or Saturday. And so we hear that Sabbath, that just means rest. So it says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, a contentment, a like <sighs> breath for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. What, what we're talking about in Hebrews here is they're talking all of Hebrews is talking about how good Jesus is, how he fulfills all the things, and it's saying Jesus dying and rising on the cross means he has done the work for you of working out your salvation, your rescue, your life, and now you can rest because he's done that work for you. That work that we feel like we have to do for six days to create all things and make ourselves right, it says Jesus has done that. Just rest in him. This dependence on God can seem scary or, or, or wrong because we're supposed to be independent, strong people, right? Good Americans who work hard for their things. And so we can start believing that unless we do those things, we don't get our things. And in fact, Jesus has done all that work and we can rest in that. And once that is set aside, we now can do the work of God as we're in his kingdom. And lastly, uh, this verse from Galatians has been a great encouragement to me this week. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. What that means is the law in, in the Old Testament are all of the um, ways God wants us to live. I hesitate to use the, even the word rules, but the the way God has set things up. And what happens is people believe I can do these things. I can follow these laws and then God will be good with me and I will get eternal soul. My soul will rest. And you say, the law, what the law reminds us is that we can't. Uh, 
is that we try to fulfill just the Ten Commandments, and we can't do it. I can't go a day with, without breaking one of those commandments. And then I say, I can't do it. I work and work and work. I eat the, the bread of anxious toil. I work and work, and I can't do it. And God says, and you can't, but Christ has done it. And so you, you clothe yourself in Christ, and now you're free. You've been justified, made right. That's justified means made right. And so now you have life because Christ did the work for you. He built the house. He watched from the towers. He worked from sunup to sundown so that you may have life. And now you're free and you can rest. And now your work can be for him and not to be with him because you're already with him. So we too, in the middle of this verse, so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of law, because by the works of law, no one will be justified. No one will be made right with God. This is, this is it, it, very important news and very good news. We begin to put our identities into our hard work and our achievements and our security and we start to believe that we single-handedly achieved those things. I actually believe that I rebuilt a 1985 Corolla, right? In all of its glory. It's crazy how quick I believe these things. And we start to believe that we built it, secured it, and we toiled independently from all others. You know what happens when this happens? We start to look down on those who haven't achieved those things. We start to look down on those who don't seem to work as hard as we work. And why? Because we believe ultimately in our hearts that we now are God and that we have made it all happen. We be really begin to worship ourselves. It becomes a simple uh, equation of us exchanging ourselves for God. Remember this in, in the beginning of Romans? We talked about this a few weeks ago. We exchange ourselves uh, we exchange God for created things in ourselves. Or maybe we exchange things for that household that we dream of. Or maybe we exchange things for that security that we dream of. If I could just get that security, if I could just feel like I won't get sick, if I can be certain that all the action and toil that I do prevents me from getting a virus that could make me really sick, as long as I know I'm doing all those things, which puts all of our focus on ourselves. And I saw this play out this week with a friend. Um, a friend suggests that maybe they were helped in their prosperity or their wealth or their security in their life. That because of their race, this person um, had to step up from other people and specifically in this conversation, a step up from a, a person of color that they knew because for many years, laws and biases towards their friend um, really cursed them, did not allow their family to own land or a house, did not let them build equity in their lives, did not um, allow them to feel equal with people around them. And so my friend becomes very defensive, protects his hard work that he's done. The question was never if he worked hard. 
because he's a very hard worker. The question was never, has he not worked to secure and keep his family safe? That was never the question, but quickly his defenses go up and he defends his hard work that he has done to make himself the man he is today. And it causes him to hurt and discourage, brush off a brother in Christ who is sharing that he's felt because of the color of his skin, he's felt less than. In that moment, we see this idol of our hard work come out and this idol uh, be threatened. How dare you threaten my hard work that I've done, forgetting that there's a God who we are dependent on. Threatening your God of hard work and toil and forgetting the God who's the bread of life. Now, friends, this is the rest we've been given. As we prepare for communion here, if you want to grab your communion supplies, um, we're going to take communion to remind us of this great truth. That we've been given rest, that being dependent on a God is a good, necessary, wonderful, blessed thing. And that, that not being independent is good. And that, in fact, maybe being independent is not so great if we really believe we are independent. That this rest is a blessing, that we no longer need to worship any things, that we can look for hope and significance and achievement and love and acceptance and approval in our God. We have been given rest from this deathly toil and given freedom to use the rest of our days to build and protect and work to bring justice and peace and love and joy through the gospel of Christ.